This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Good morning. My name's Chris. I'm the pastor here at Christian Chapel. And if it's your first time with us in person or online, we're thrilled that you're making part of your Sunday um, an opportunity to worship the Lord with us. Today we're kicking off a new series from Mark chapter 5 called Unchained. Um, in, our, in our worship team meeting with the media team, we have a, a little prayer meeting before we start each morning. And uh, one of the guys said this morning, of, this looks like an interesting marriage series before Valentine's Day. And I just want you to know that's offensive, and I did not laugh, and I did not tell my wife that during worship, and I didn't do any of those things, um, but it is not that, uh, not that at all. So uh, what we're going to do, Mark chapter 5, we find the story of Jesus traveling to an unlikely place to declare freedom to an unlikely person. And so what we're going to do over the next 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 weeks, I, I really don't know, we're going to see as we go, uh, is we're just going to kind of walk through this story a little bit of a time, at a time and explore what it means to us. And what I hope you come to understand each week is the things that the Lord has been speaking to me from this passage for, uh, honestly, for a couple years, is that he desires to bring true and lasting freedom to every single person that follows him. And so maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but there is that one area of life where you still feel a little bound up or held back. My prayer for you is that over the next couple months, God brings permanent freedom to you. Maybe you haven't begun a relationship with Jesus and you have no idea what it would be like to feel free when you wake up every morning and when you go to bed at night. And I'm believing over the next couple of weeks, the spirit is going to work in your life and you're going to understand that Jesus has come to bring that kind of freedom to you. And then beyond that, my prayer is that we will all begin to embrace this idea that what Jesus has done for us he now enables us to do for other people as well. And so when I'm unchained, it is now my joy, my privilege, and my responsibility to tell everyone everywhere that they also can live an unchained life. So Mark chapter 5 is where we're going to be spending our time. These first couple weeks, I'm going to read the whole story to you each week. I think it's important for us to hear it in its context. And, you know, it's, there's always a temptation for me to summarize long passages of Scripture. Um, but every time I think about it, I'm always convicted of, well, the Holy Spirit inspired that. So he's probably going to say it better than I summarize it. So we're just going to read it together. If you have a Bible, Mark chapter 5, verse 1. If not, it'll be here on the screens for you as well. Today, we're starting with Jesus goes to hard places. Verse 1, it says, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd 
about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. As I said, we'll, we'll take the next several weeks, couple months to walk our way through this. There is so much. One of the, the things that I've enjoyed the last couple years as I read the scriptures, particularly the stories of Jesus, is that they offer us a glimpse into these massive themes that take place all through his ministry. And so much as we did with the story of Lazarus last year, we'll do with the story of the demon-possessed man in Mark 5 this year of just slowly ask the question each week of what does each portion of this story teach us about who Jesus is, what Jesus came to do, and what it means for me. And we'll start this morning in Mark 5 verse 1 with the idea that Jesus goes to hard places. But before we do that, I want to jump back up, because if you noticed in Mark chapter 5, verse 1, it said, then Jesus got in the boat and went to the other side of the lake. And so we need to actually back up, because we're picking up this story in the middle of a larger story. So if you go back to Mark chapter 4, I want to spend just a couple minutes giving you some context here. So Mark chapter 4, verse 1, you find Jesus is on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, in the region of Galilee, and he's teaching. Right, so, so to put a title to this section, if Jesus goes to hard places is Mark 5, Jesus goes to the beach is Mark 4. And I don't know about you, but I would much rather go to the beach with Jesus than hard places with Jesus. And he, where are my beach people? I know we live in Oklahoma, so we, we travel to do that, right? Like, I go to the beach on the Illinois River, not a beach. Super redneck, but not a beach, right? Super fun, not a beach. Uh, the lakes we have around here, some of those are beaches. Um, so show me again, beach people, where are you at? Okay. Um, now, of our beach people, how many of you are shade beach people? You'll go there, but there better be a tent, an umbrella, something. How many of you are sun beach people? Yeah, my, my wife is a sun warrior, right? Like I, I feel beaten down by the sun. She feels energized by it. And so we go to the beach and it's like, you hang out there. I'll be back here under the umbrella in the tent with a hat, uh, maybe with a shirt, maybe with some layers of sunscreen on top of that. Like just going to make sure everything's okay. Now beach people, where are the, the sand people? Who enjoys the sand at the beach? There's something that happened to you in childhood. I don't know what it was. But it's, it's just uncomfortable, right? I don't enjoy, like, I love the beach. I don't like the sand. I don't like it on my feet. I don't like it on my chair. I don't really like it anywhere. Any of you ever been buried in sand? Right? Did you go to counseling afterwards? Because you should have. Because that's traumatic. Nobody wants to do that, right? So, so we, we understand the beach. The beach is a place of pleasure. The beach is a place of relaxation. The beach is, is just a wonderful place to be. And so in Mark chapter 4, Jesus is teaching and a crowd begins to gather. The crowd becomes so large that he has the disciples put him in a little boat and pull him just out from shore, basically creating a floating platform from which he can continue to teach the people. 
And so he's teaching them. And as you read through Mark chapter 4, you see all kinds of just profound ideas about what the kingdom is and how the kingdom works and how we take our place in the kingdom. And it's this this wonderful, I mean, we could spend weeks and months just in Mark chapter 4. Jesus at the beach, that's where I want to be with Jesus. I want to pull up a chair. I want to sit with my family and friends. I want to enjoy hearing from him in a very relaxed environment. This is where we want to be. And and for many of us, this is our hope when we come to follow Jesus. Now life will be a beach. And everything will go well and everyone will get along. And if we get hungry, somebody will bring us some food. And if we get thirsty, they'll bring us something to drink. And it's just going to be this wonderful environment. But what we see with Jesus is he's at the beach. And then in, in, in Mark chapter 4, as he keeps teaching, he eventually comes to the point where he has said everything he wants to say for the day. And as the day draws to a close, in order to send the people home, he tells the disciples, let's get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake. Now, what Jesus is saying, we might not catch right offhand. Remember, he's on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, but he's on the Galilean side. The Galilean side is home field. This is where Jewish people live. It's where their culture, their custom, their language, their religion, everything is part of the common culture on the Galilean side. Jesus is well received. The crowds gather to listen to him. And now he's saying, let's go to the other side. Well, the other side is the region of the Gerasenes that he mentions in Mark 5, verse 1. It's an area of 10 cities that we'll see later is called the Decapolis. On that side of the the Sea of Galilee, everything is different. It's no longer a home field advantage, and we'll get into some of those details later. But what I want you to understand for now is we might have some beach experiences with Jesus where it's a camp, it's a conference, it's a worship event, it's a women's conference, it's a group of friends that we go on vacation with. It's an experience in the mountains or at the beach where we feel really close to God and we think if I could just stay here forever, everything would be great. And yet, much like the disciples learn, you and I have to learn, those experiences are meant to be appreciated, but are never meant to be the place where we set up camp and live forever. So we're going to enjoy it. We're going to get all we can out of it, but we're going to know, I'm not meant to live here. I'm not meant to live at camp. I'm not meant to live at conference. I'm not meant to live at the retreat. I am meant to get all I can out of this and then get back where God has called me to go. And so Jesus tells the disciples, let's get in the boat and let's cross the lake. Now, the, the Sea of Galilee at its widest point is about eight miles across. Many of the disciples we know are lifelong fishermen. Their fathers or grandfathers are fishermen. They've grown up on these waters. It's not a big deal at all for them to cross over in the middle of the night. And so they get in the boat with Jesus. They begin to cross and Jesus is tired. So he lays down and he goes to sleep in the boat. And as he's sleeping, there's a storm that comes up. Now, as a storm comes up, what we're seeing is is Jesus doesn't just go to the beach, but Jesus goes through the storm as well. Because here's, here's what I would be doing if I was the disciples in the boat. When the storm came up, I would be thinking, we never should have left the beach. See, this is clearly, clearly God is speaking to us. He's telling us to turn around. He's telling us, don't go to that other side. Those, there's dangerous things waiting for you. He's telling us, go back to where you're known, go back to where you're loved. Have have any of us ever given into this temptation? God called us somewhere, it got hard, and we turned tail and ran. I know you haven't, but I have a few times. Right? Where you just think, well, clearly if God called me to this, it wouldn't be so difficult. Right? God called me into this marriage, and she doesn't wake up singing how awesome I am every day. God gave me these kids, and I have to say no more than once a day. 
God gave me this job and people don't think I'm the best that's ever done it. God called me to this community and people aren't just beating my door down, thanking me that I'm here, right? And we have all these experiences and more and there's difficulty that comes. And we don't know exactly how long the disciples think about it, but we know they ultimately get to the point of desperation where they think we're about to die. Experienced lifelong fishermen, it's got so bad that they think there's nothing we can do. We better wake up Jesus. So they wake up Jesus, maybe hoping he's going to say, oh man, that's bad. Let's go back. But what does he do instead? He stands up and he says, quiet, be still. And the storm is still. And even there, if I was the disciples, I'd still be thinking, thank you, Jesus. Now let's turn this thing around. But what does he do? He goes right on a cross. So Jesus leaves the beach. Jesus weathers the storm. And what his ultimate goal is that he can go to hard places. So Mark chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Then they crossed the lake and arrived in the region of the Gerasenes. Now again, we've got to do a little bit of work today to prepare us for the coming weeks as we work our way through this. So Galilee inside, home field. The Decapolis, the Gerasenes, enemy territory. Right? Jewish people on the Galilean side, Gentile people on the other side. And just so we're all clear, you and I, we are all on the unclean side of the lake. Right? We were not born into the right people group. We were not born into the Jewish nation. We have not been raised in Israel. We don't know the cultures. We don't know the customs. We don't eat the right things. We don't celebrate the right holidays. We don't know the right language. We are all on the other side of the lake. The disciples knew this. Jesus knew this. We see later in the story, there's a large herd of pigs near where they land. Now, again, for you and I, not really a big deal. I love bacon. You love pork chops. You know, we don't, we don't really think anything of it. We like pig farms, just not close to us. And so when they, when they go across and there's this massive herd of pigs, it's meant to clue us into something. What it's meant to clue us into is there is virtually no Jewish population in this portion off the lake. Because to own a herd of pigs, pigs were the, the height of unclean animals for Jewish people. They'd been used by Rome to insult and subjugate the Jewish people. We'll get to that more because I know even as we read through that, that story this morning, some of us, our first question is, why the pigs, man? Jesus didn't like babe. He never saw how sweet they are. He doesn't know that they can be as smart as a dog. He, you know, like, like we've got all of these questions. We'll get to that, I promise. But for today, what I want you to understand is those pigs are a symbol to us of this is an unclean place. And good religious men like the disciples know we don't go there. Because those people are not only unclean, they are unclean and proud. The presence of their pigs was not only a part of their culture, it was also a way for them to ensure there were no Jewish people who were going to encroach on their territory. And so if the disciples aren't supposed to go, then Jesus, as a respected religious leader, should never go there. So when Jesus tells the disciples, let's leave the beach and cross the lake, that's like Jesus saying to you, hey, camp is over. The conference is concluded. The retreat is done. But instead of going home, I'm going to take you to some place you'd rather not go full of people you'd rather not interact with. And I don't know what that might be for you, but you can fill in your own gaps this morning. And it's a reminder to us that Jesus doesn't just come to hard places for the people who know him and love him. But he goes to hard places, especially for those who do not yet know him and do not yet love him. It's what he tells us in John chapter 10, verse 16, where he says, I have other sheep that are not of this pen. And, and, and I must go 
and bring them also. Again, the the stories of Jesus always give us kind of little glimpses into his larger mission, his larger uh, vision for his life and his ministry. And what we see as Jesus crosses the lake is a statement he's making to the disciples and a statement he's making to us of, you might have thought I only came for Israel. You might have thought I only came for the good and religious people. You might have thought I only came for those who know me, love me, and follow all the rules. But I'm telling you, I came and I'm willing to go through whatever it takes to get to the other side to those who not only only don't know me, but might even be adamantly opposed to who I am and what I do. And it's challenging for us to, especially if we've grown up in the church, if we have called ourselves Christians for a long time, because it's easy to start to believe the lie of, you know what? I'm, I'm in that space now where I'm good. I'm on the beach side of the lake. But what we want to remember is when Jesus goes to hard places, He first came to the hard places where we were opposed to him, where we were on the other side, where we had nothing to do with him. I love the way that uh, Dr. David Garland summarizes this this change in Jesus' ministry. He says, when Jesus crosses the lake, he embarks on a daring invasion to claim alien turf under enemy occupation. I love that phrase. You know, it's not just that Jesus goes to hard places. Jesus invades hard places. And we understand the difference in that language. And and even some of us are like, I don't know, that seems kind of aggressive. Not really politically correct. We're not supposed to be an invading people. We're supposed to knock, wait for an invitation, and then step in. But I love how Garland puts this. When Jesus goes across the lake, when he battles through the storm, when he quiets the sea, the wind, and the waves, All of that is part of his invasion of a place that is not expecting him and does not want him. But he's coming to invade the darkness, and he he does the same thing for you and I. And sometimes I think we have painted too friendly and too gentle a picture of Jesus. Of, oh, he'll come. We've heard in the scriptures, he stands at the door and knocks. But sometimes he kicks it in. Sometimes he tears all the walls down. Sometimes he comes over every obstacle that you've thrown up. Sometimes he goes to the places we'd never expect him to, to the people we'd rather he not share the good news with. Why? Because he's come for everyone, everywhere. Paul makes this point clear to us in Romans 5 when he tells us, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right? This is where we all land. Before we worry about anything else, what we need to understand is while you were in the dark, while I was in the dark, while we were embracing our sin, Jesus invaded the darkness of our lives. He came in. He tore every wall down. He's, you weren't just sitting there one day and decided, you know, I think today's a good day to be a Christian. It's his action. It's his intervention. Those thoughts that you had, the conversation that started, you didn't just wake up and think, I think we have a Bible. Maybe I should read it. None of that happened. Jesus was the first actor in all of our salvation stories. Before we ever thought about him, he not only thought about us, but he had a plan for us. And so what we're seeing in Mark chapter five, what Paul tells us in Romans chapter five is that Jesus isn't waiting for our invitation to launch his invasion. And he's already invading your darkness. He's already coming to the spaces where you don't expect him. He's already at work in places in our city, in our state, in our nation, all over the world, where we are, con- we are convinced that there is no light at all. 
And so as we start to think about this, then we're starting to ask the question of, well, if Jesus shows up, then what am I going to do? As we read through this story, we'll see there are different reactions when Jesus steps out of the boat in the region of the Gerasenes. The man's first reaction is, get out of here. The demon's reaction is, have you come to torture us? When the pig's reaction is, oh no, right? We don't, we don't know. Like the people of the town, when they see that Jesus is saved and healed the man, their reaction is fear followed by rejection. And then the man's reaction is, Jesus, get me out of here. And Jesus' reaction is, no, go tell those people who just left all that the Lord has done for you. See, when Jesus invades the darkness, it always provokes reactions. It provokes reactions in us. It provokes reactions in the world around us. And it's intended to provoke a reaction of surrender for us and through us. But you know, when light invades darkness, it's not always comfortable. And you know that moment when you were a teenager and you wouldn't get out of bed? What was one of the first things your parents would do to get you up? Flip on the lights? Maybe open the blinds? Did you ever, as a 15-year-old, have a reaction of, thank you, Mom. I, too, have read the studies that it's better for my brain to wake up to sunlight. And I appreciate that. Thank you for ripping the covers off of my head as I tried to hide. Thank you for throwing my pillow in the floor. Thank you for not just opening the curtains, but raising the blinds up as well. You never had that. What was your first reaction every time? It was, ugh, and you turned away. For many of us, when Jesus shows up in the darkness, especially when we're not expecting him, our first response is always, ugh, and we turn away. Even if we know we need him. Even if we're desperate for him to work, there's still this moment of, oh, I wanted it on my terms. I wanted it on my schedule. I wanted it in a way where I could tell my story and protect my reputation. But when Jesus shows up, it's just time to go to work. And when I say time to go to work, it's not time for you to go to work. It's time to let him go to work. And so when he shows up, you might have that space of, oh, Jesus, not now. Oh, Jesus, not here. Jesus, not in that way. But I want to encourage you this morning, when Jesus comes to hard places, he does it to bring freedom. And Jesus is still bringing freedom to your hard place, to my hard place this morning. And so there's a temptation as we read Mark chapter 5, verse 1, to make the immediate application of, well, if Jesus goes to hard places, I should go to hard places. And, and that's a good one. As a church, as followers of Jesus, we should be willing to, yep, I will go to hard places. I will go to people who need to hear about Jesus. I will go where I'm not expected to show up. But this morning, before you think about what you should do, I want to stop and think about what Jesus has done for you. Before you identify with Jesus, before you identify with the disciples, every week I'm going to ask you to identify with the demon-possessed man. And some of you are like, I'm going to bring my kid. I think that'll be easy for them, right? You don't, you don't even know, right? hoping your spouse is paying attention. Like I've told you there's problems. I think this is it. That's not it. But not for them, not for them, for you. See, before Jesus showed up in my life, who was I? I was roaming in the dark. I was lashing out at the world around me. Without Jesus in your life, who would you be right now? You would be chained hand and foot to all kinds of sin, all kinds of bondage. Without Jesus showing up, you're not the same version of yourself. You're the worst version of yourself. 
giving in to every passion, giving in to every temptation, letting your sins pile high around you. And so when we think Jesus still brings freedom to the hard places, we're not just thinking, yeah, for those people out there. We're thinking, yes, for me right here. Jesus still shows up. And if you can't identify with the demon-possessed man this morning, the reason is because Jesus has brought freedom. And yet we know even after we follow Jesus, there are still hard places and hard spaces in our life. So I want to ask you this morning just to, to think about for a moment, what are some of those hard spaces for you? And maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's a, a marriage that's just slightly dysfunctional, that's not really working how you had hoped or how you had planned. Maybe you're a married couple and your life is going pretty well, except for the, the baby that you just can't conceive. And that infertility is the secret you both carry. Maybe you've shared it with a few family or friends, but you're just kind of wondering of, why isn't the Lord answering these prayers? We know he brought us together. We believe he has plans for us to have a family. Why are we suffering in these ways? Why won't the adoption go through? Why, 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 why is it miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage? And in that hard space, you're tempted to believe Jesus doesn't want anything to do with me. Because you think Jesus is at the beach with all the good Christians. You think that, that you know, if I was really living right, I want to be stuck in this place of isolation. Or maybe, maybe your hard place is loneliness today. You just look around and you think, I don't, I don't have friends. I don't have anybody I can confide in. I don't have anybody that carries these burdens with me. And, and for some reason, through your own deception, through the lies other people have told you, you believe it's my fault and this is just my lot in life. And Jesus is with the good Christians at the beach. Maybe your hard place is unemployment. Maybe it's financial need. You're wondering, is he really the Lord who provides? Maybe not for me. Maybe I wasn't smart enough. Maybe I made too many foolish mistakes. Maybe he's not really here with me. Maybe your hard place is bitterness and anger over things that were done to you. People who took advantage of you. People who took life from you. People who stole resources from you. People who ruined relationships. And you were just bound up, lashing out in bitterness and rage and anger. And you've believed the lie that I've got to get this under control before I can go back to the beach and be with Jesus. And yet what Mark chapter 5 is teaching us is not only does Jesus show up in the, high, in the hard places, but he leaves the good places to do it. He weathers the storm to do it. And in your case and my case, he doesn't just get in a boat and go across a lake through a storm in the middle of the night, but he gives up all of his rights and privileges of heaven. Paul tells us Jesus empties himself. He takes on the form of a servant so that we can be made like him. He suffers in our place. He dies in our place. He's resurrected. And now he promises that the same spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in us and brings life to our mortal bodies. When Jesus shows up in hard places, it's not just to make you feel better. It's to set you free. To free you from that bitterness. To free you from that rage. To free you from that anger. To free you from that loneliness. To free you from the jealousy. To free you from the greed. To free you from the lust. To free you from the addiction. To free you from the broken relationships. To free you from all that binds you. He 
doesn't come just to say, hey, I'm with you. You'll feel better. I'll stay until it's okay. He comes to say, we're going to break every chain. We're going to restore your heart and mind. We're going to restore your dignity. And we're going to restore your purpose. And I'm going to give you a new path that brings all of these things and more to you. As the band comes back this morning, I want to pray for you. We you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Jesus, we come to you today with a recognition that we need you. You see our hard places. You see the hard things that we're dealing with. Lord, I know there are hurts. There are situations in hearts and lives this morning that are crippling. Lord, they have grabbed all of our attention. They've grabbed all of our emotion. We cannot see beyond our pain and beyond that bondage today. And so Jesus, we come, first of all, to hear your message of good news to us. That you are here. You are working not just in this room, but you are working in our lives individually. Jesus, you have come to my hard, difficult places. You have come not just to announce freedom to captives out there, but freedom to the captive in here. Lord, you have come to break every chain of sin, every chain of bondage, everything that holds us back and tries to keep us from you. And so Jesus, my prayer today is that your Holy Spirit would come and you would speak personally to each one of us. That you see us right where we are and you have arrived in the difficult spaces in our life. And Lord, as we take that picture from Mark chapter 5, we see you stepping out of the boat and into our life. And as your feet take root on the ground of our hearts and minds, we welcome your presence, we welcome your light, we welcome your revelation, we welcome your conviction. We welcome your power to bring freedom. We welcome your love to bring comfort. Jesus, we see you moving towards us, full of passion and full of power. And Lord, we see you as the resurrected one. We see you as the powerful one. We see you as the one who has come to release the captives and bind up the brokenhearted. And Jesus, as you come, may we receive the fullness of your work in us. Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit to shine light into the darkest corners of our heart. Lord, reveal what we know and what we do not yet know about what is going on in our hearts and our minds. And in each space, Lord, will you unchain us and bring freedom and life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.